This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, all eyes are on United, cos owner all grins over, and these 12-yard woes just grow and grow. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. I'm Tom Duthie. Podcasting alongside me today are Alan Temple. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And that's it, because George is on his 10th holiday <laughs> of the summer, not the year, the summer. And we don't even know where he's gone. I know, it's terrible ignorance. Do we, know, although, do we know if he's coming back? Although, well, I don't know. You notice everywhere he goes, there's a fire. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, on with the show. Dundee United. George may have departed, but there's a big arrival this week, Alan. Mark, Mark Ogren, the owner's here. Yeah. That makes for interesting reading. Yeah, he was... Although uh, you're, always, you're always interesting when you write. Uh, scheduled for, uh, to come over for the opening championship game of the season. And um, as... Had a panic attack. I was going to say, <laughs> as, as tends to be the case, uh, they didn't win while he was here. Um, I think you need to go back to the AZ Alkmaar home game for the last time Mark Ogren really? actually watched his team uh, win, win a match since then. They've been beat, well, and in some cases gubbed by Ross County, Kilmarnock, St Johnston. So that, that immediately sparks my. I can remember the war, but I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. Beard, do you remember when Donald Mackay was Dundee manager? Oh yes. His wife sat outside Dens in their car for a whole season because they had a bad start. Never won. She missed the game. They won it. And they went on this long, long, <laughs> win unbeaten run, and he wouldn't let her come in the stadium. Oh. Maybe, maybe Mister Ogren should do the same down she, the road. She was still his wife at the end of the season. Eh, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Fourteen million pounds later, we can tell him that he's a jinx. That's, I'm sure he'll love hearing well, that. Let's be fair though. Mister <laughs> Ogren could sit in his private jet yeah. at Riverside. Yeah. yeah. No, it's. Um, but yeah, as ever, when he's in town, there's going to be a, a packed to-do list. Um, I think it would be fair to say that he's probably got the closest relationship with a manager that he's had um, yeah. in, in his time as Dundee United owner with Jim Goodwin. So um, I know they've been having a, a lot of talks. They had a kind of formal meeting on, on Tuesday to chat through a few things, and you can bet that that will be... They'll be talking budgets, contracts, incomings, outgoings, um, a myriad of different things. But they've also been in pretty constant contact. I know Mark was down at the, the training ground as well. Um, Does he not like to know the team? Does he not get... I've previous got, managers have phoned him on a Saturday at two o'clock. I, I used to do the heart speech during the Romanoff ah. days. I'm not getting involved in whether owners are interested in picking the team. <laughs> no, it's, did, um, they, did the hearts manager not have to send it by Morse code to a submarine yeah, somewhere in the Baltic? Exactly. But no, he's, um, so so he's over and uh, I think they had a, a wee round of golf as well on, on Tuesday, as is their want. Well, um, that's a waste of time. He's got stuff to sort out on the pitch. <laughs> but yeah, you know how these high-level business Yes. It. It's all done on the golf course. That's that's how it works. <laughs> how many holes did Jim Goodwin lose by? Um, I believe Jim Goodwin won. <laughs> oh, that's which a, is that's is a bold. mistake. Yep, that is shugly peg. His jacket's on a shugly <laughs> peg now. Exceptionally, I, I, I kind of exclusive for the podcast. I believe uh, the pairing of Goodwin and Dave Bowman beat Ogren and his son. So um, bold of them both. To, uh, right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give away secrets about Dave Bowman's off game. But if it was a four ball and he was hitting the drives and Goodwin was hitting the putts, mm. that's pretty formidable. Power player. 
But on the green, Bowman. <laughs> on the green. Falls to pieces. Falls to... <laughs> yeah, I can I can picture that. A big aggressive drive. That's got Bowman written all over it, isn't it? Anyway, I, I digress. So, and there's also, I mean, this week in the paper, we've been discussing kind of the the bigger plans that, that Jim Goodwin has in terms of, um, you know, in the fullness of time, recruitment department improving. There's um, a constant focus on the academy, which... Um, uh, is ongoing so there'll be a, a hell of a lot of things for um mark ogren to to get his teeth into as well as just the you know the the, the overseeing of his investment as as he does you know he's there's been a lot of personnel changes there's mm-hmm. he's been bringing down the budget he leaves that to his people on the ground here and he'll be coming over and want to see how things are progressing with his own eyes so um and part of that was obviously taking in the game on on saturday which while um wasn't the result Dundee united would have wanted I do get the feeling that you would have sensed a different vibe around the yeah. place. You know, there was a there was a positive finale, but even before that equaliser, there wasn't a sense of uh, mutiny in the stadium that he would have experienced. For example, in that three 0 game against Kilmarnock, when they effectively were relegated on his on his last visit to Scotland, so I think he will sense that uh, there has been a a slight shift in, in tone around the place since his last visit. Um, so I think he'll be here until around about next week, um, uh, getting his, his ducks in a row, as it were. And he does, I mean, I know he keeps in touch when he's back home in the States, but when he comes over, he he does pack his itinerary, doesn't he? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it is important that he does that because there is a feeling, um, whether it's it's fair or not, amongst supporters, and this isn't just with Dundee United, this is with any club that has foreign ownership. If you don't see them on the ground, in person, taking an interest talking to people uh, within the the departments and and being in the country fundamentally, you do get that feeling of, is it an absentee ownership? Uh, You know, do we still have the interest? Is he still invested? All these questions are just natural and, as I say, not unique to Dundee United in that regard. So I think it just helps to answer that. And certainly um, our our colleague from a a sister title, Jim Spence, um, has a, Never heard of him. Has a, has a happy habit of bumping into Mark Ogden when he's <laughs> over at Mass, uh, which is uh, always amuses me. I'm, I'm amazed Mark still talks to Jim because it's on Twitter the next day every time he does. But it's um, uh, by all accounts still very much, um, very much invested and, and kind of renewed in his desire to to, to tackle this challenge. And, and it is a challenge financially and footballing in terms of getting Dundee United back to to not only where he wants it to be, but where it was at the start of last season. You know. Yeah, and Bear Allen makes the point here. It is, it is important. I mean, I'm saying this to a former sports editor who locked himself away in a window, a windowless <laughs> office every week, and we never saw you. Only joking. But it's important. I mean, you because hard fact, brutal truth is, Mark Mark Ogden could do everything he's doing this week by tic tac, oh, watch whip. <laughs> Whatever, whatever yeah. those social media things that no, you know, d- he, he could do it online. Yeah, yeah. but it, it does make a difference when, when the boss turns up and is seen. Yeah, the world is an incredibly small place these days, Tom, and, and uh, you know it would be easy to con- con- conduct business from from his garage yeah. <laughs> in the states if, if he wanted to do that. But I think Alan's uh, the main thing for me is as a supporter of a football club with American owners is that they, they are seen now and again. Mm-hmm. And we've got a similar situation at Danes where obviously uh, John Nelms is on the ground yeah. virtually every every game um, at the ground. But it's good to see Tim Keyes there. 
And uh-huh. I, I, it's, it's for the reasons that Alan has already pointed out. You know, they always... Yeah, they can make statements that are totally committed to the club and, you know, that they're, they're invested for the next few years. But if, if they're absent, then you, it does set alarm bells yeah. ringing with, within sections of the fans. So it's good to see them in the, sta- in the stadium. And, uh, you know, obviously, if, if things aren't going well in the park, then he sets himself up for possibly a bit of abuse from se- certain sections of support. But I think, in general, the majority of fans will be happy to see Mark Ogren here. And... You know, and I think it's it's good for him as well at this point in time. We've spoken about how things went last season, and in general, Mark Ogren has had a really tough time since he took over at Dundee uh-huh. United with, with COVID. Initially, you know, he got his team get, as gets promoted to the to the top flight of Scottish football and, and playing in front of empty stadiums. You know, and that was yeah. an absolute disaster. But lost money getting promoted. Yeah, the way the yeah, yeah COVID absolutely, league absolutely. So you know, he has taken a big hit financially. But he, he's always said that, you know, he, he's fully invested, fully committed. The team went down last season. The first thing he was talking about was promotion back to the back to the top flight. He quickly appointed Jim Goodwin, which I think was, a, you know, I think was a good move. They had to, they had to make quick steps to, to, to turn not just the team around, but, you know, to get the sort of malaise that had set around the club lifted. And I think they've gone about their business really well. So it's good for him to, to be here and, and, and to see how things are are progressing. Um, as you say, I'm sure he'll have, you know, good talks with the right people at the club, the manager, you know, all the directors. And, and you know, I'm not sure how long he's actually here for, if he's going to be here for another couple of games or, or not, Alan. Or he's, I think he goes back next week. So as we're speaking, it would be probably be before the trip to air. So he will miss the, the glamour of Somerset I Park. think you might find, given what you said about his record watching United, he'll get on the team, he'll get on the <laughs> yeah. team bus heading yeah. for the air and suddenly find himself <laughs> kicked off at Glasgow Airport and a ticket thrown out and said... It's time for you to go, chairman. Yeah, yeah but, but good, good to see him here, and, and and I think it's good that you know he is ultimately the owner, the leader of the yeah. club, and you know you'll you'll be coming across and making sure he makes his uh, uh, touches board with as many people as possible. As I, I'm just thinking here, it's a straight not not so much for you, Alan, but I mean, even when I started full time covering football, you would have struggled to name all the Dundee and United directors because it wasn't a thing. But mm-hmm. the last. 30 years, it has become a... Fo- the, the manager used to be the only leader of a club, but now, and a lot of it's because it's quite high-profile guys that take on ownership, but it is important, that thing, Alan, isn't it, that the owners are seen? Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's an interesting point you make. You know, it's... Um, I remember... It's just popped into my head. It's slightly tangential, but I remember reading something Jack Ross was saying about because he he studied uh, recently completed a, a little university course on directorship, and he spoke about how as football's changed, the scrutiny that managers get should perhaps be reflected by the scrutiny that uh, directors of football get, sporting directors get. Uh, heads of recruitment get because it is such a collaborative effort now the the days of it just being the manager that did everything are long gone you know mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, there's an argument to be said that it's it's good that there's that level of scrutiny it's good that people know who the director yeah. is it's good that people ah. know who are signing the players because it isn't just a unilateral thing anymore and obviously it'd be fascinating to know who Jack Ross was thinking about there when he said that um, scrutiny should be shared but it's a uh, it's uh, 
I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a negative thing. You know, it got to the stage where, um, you know, directors and owners of clubs could just hide behind yeah. sacking the next manager. And that isn't really a healthy way for the, the club to be run. So um, while criticism can perhaps sometimes go over the score or, or people can uh, go a little bit too far in terms of, um, uh, you know, the criticism of the people that run their club, all of which comes from a, you know, a good place of, of caring for their club. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing because um, managers no longer do everything at a football club. So why should they take the blame for everything at a football club? Um, so, yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, under the microscope more than more than ever, one would say. And while Mr Ogren didn't get the win, win that's long overdue for him to see in the flesh, a goal five minutes in injury time to get a draw against Dunfermline last Saturday is a goal that wasn't coming a month ago. Yeah, it's, it's funny that it's... Um, so the, the kind of celebration police were out in force, kind of mocking United fans, lapping up a 95th minute equaliser, because obviously a draw wasn't what they would want for a home game against yeah, Dunfermline. Yeah, you to go to football to enjoy the ex good bit, ex you? Exactly. There's, there's nothing that winds me up more on the internet, regardless of what um, uh, club you're talking about. See if something sparks joy, let it spark Aye, joy. Exactly. You know what I mean? People pay enough money to go to the football and it can be a grim experience enough of the time. Enjoy whatever... Um, sparks a, a moment of joy in you. So, yeah, and it did. Uh, it was a, a. I think it was not only the fact that it was a 95th minute equaliser, always good fun, especially after knocking on the door. Yeah. Just, and it, that mounting feeling of it's just not going to be the, t today. But more than that, it was also a sense that they were never equalising in that game last season. Never no. in a million years. Um, so. Uh, there's a sense of determination and never say die attitude, and the heads didn't drop, and that does seem to be a um, something that Jim Goodwin has looked to instill in this squad, uh, and uh, you know a, a kind of belief and uh, sense that they won't let things get on top of them and let the shoulders slump. But also, I'm not sure they had somebody that would do something like Matthew Kudrow did um, mm -hmm. last season, and. I know he, um, as an incredibly confident young man, believed that he could have done something like that last season. He could have been the difference if he'd just got the chance. That's what you want. And he is now, albeit at a lower level, and maybe a season in the championships is exactly what he needed and could be great for him, has um, now shown that he does have a, a, a real uh, excess of, of natural talent. That's two consecutive games where he scored goals that technically were just wonderful um you know the chip against a broth and then you know have a look at his goal against um uh, against Dunfermline there's no backlift to it no, at all right. just he just he steps steps sets himself shapes no backlift and the whip power uh, pace that he gets on it wonderful really good goal and uh, as i say not just a, a screamer but a goal that you look at and go uh, you require a, a real kind of technical gift to score that goal so um I'd say kind of if we're going to go for narratives that have emerged from these opening weeks of the season for Dundee United, the emergence of Matthew Kudrow is a really exciting one. As I think I've said last week, it's going to be really interesting to watch him over the course of the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he develops. I bear what I've seen of him so far, not not particularly exactly in style. He reminds me of watching Lyle Cameron last season at Dundee, funnily enough, in the Championship as well. Just because he plays with his head up, mm -hmm. he wants the ball. He wants to do something, and what I always think at that age, if it doesn't come off, his reaction the next time the team gets the ball is, give it to me again yeah. and I'll try it, try something else. And and that's what you need, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as Alan said, he, 
he, he, and Alan's spoken to him, I mean, he, he's, he, he talks a confident game and he plays a confident game. He looks confident on the ball and, you know, that will only get better. The, the more he's in the team, the more goals he actually scores. Fantastic goal against that broth. Mm-hmm. Fantastic goal against Dunfermline. As Alan says, I, I watched it, I saw the highlights and absolutely no backlift what, whatsoever. And uh, I think he actually catches Harry Sharp a wee bit flat-footed. I don't think yeah. Harry Sharp is actually expecting the shot. I mean, even if Harry Sharp had been on his toes, he would have done well to save it, I've got to mm-hmm. say, but he's just he's just, he's just lifted it into, into the top corner. And yeah, he, he can be a really big player for United. There will be questions asked. We're, in, we're only in August. Mm-hmm. We still have to go into the colder months. Can he play on a heavier part? But it looks to me as though he, he, he has oh, all the... Jim all, McLean, Graham Payne. Yeah, it could be a bit of that though, though Tom. You, 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 he's, he's got to tick that box for me yet. Uh, but uh, very the ball sticks to his toes when he's running with the ball, and he, you certainly saw him against that broth. He was dragging defenders all over the place, and they couldn't get near him, and that's what created a lot of gaps for United and created a lot of openings. What we see on the game in general, I watched extensive highlights of the game against uh, Dunfermline. I thought it was a, a very good game. I've got to say, it looked like uh, it was watchable. There, there were chances at, at, at either ends, but I think it brought home. Uh, a quick realisation to Dundee United fans that they're not going to get everything their own way this season. I, you know, I, I'm hoping that a lot of them, despite the result against Arbroath, which was fantastic, you know... Yes, I, I point out at this juncture, however rash my one win the league by October yeah, prediction was, yeah. it wasn't based on 4-0s no. at Arbroath, it was based on... I would rather it was an injury time winner, yeah. but it's based on one nils, two yeah. nils. Uh, uh, you know, because you you have to battle for everything. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Dunfermline were, were well set up from from what I could see, and then and well, I say it was a good game. They never really allowed United many clear cut openings as as they got down at Gayfield against Arbroath, and that's going to be the way of it for for I would suggest the majority of games Aye. this season. You know, for Dundee United, but if they can grind out points when they look like losing them and grind out wins when maybe their teams are settling for a point, they'll beat the top of the league, Tom. You know, they've got a lot to be uh, happy about over the first two games of the season. Um, I th- I, again, another confident rear guard display, I thought. I thought Craig Whiten's goal was a terrific goal. It was hard to defend against. He took it really well. I thought the United keeper did well. Made a couple of good saves in the game again. Yeah. You know, so I think it's... Uh, Jim Goodwin will be dis- disappointed, obviously, that they've not won the game. Happy that they've managed to get himself a point when it looked like all was lost. Um, but over the, the course of the first two 90 minutes, he'll be quietly satisfied we're done United at this point. The interesting thing about this stage of the season is it's so hard to ascertain what's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. see if this is six weeks down the line and Dunfermline have taken 13, you know, whatever it may be, 12, 13 points from mm-hmm. a, a, an opening 15, you would say they're your potential title rivals. And then if you draw with them, you go, well, at least you didn't lose because you're losing ground on a title rival. We don't really know. Even if, if Dunfermline lack consistency, if they're yeah. the team that go to your rivals and mm-hmm. beat them, so that's a good point. It's, it's If in the fullness of time, Dunfermline are going to be a title rival to Dundee United, that's a really, really important point because yeah. you don't want to lose to them. Um, but it's just difficult to say that with any certainty. That's why it's a, it's a peculiar stage of the season. You kind of, at this point, until you know where teams are going to shake out, particularly a league as, as even as the championship, you kind of don't know what a good point is until you until you know who's going to be right up there. Yeah. I like the positive vibe, but one thing Jim Goodwin will want, he'll want to sort out, that's a, a defeat and a, a draw at Tannerice. I think in only three games, isn't it? Three competitive games so far. He'll want... He'll want them to go on a run where it's win, 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 draw, win, 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 draw. 
really, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, they did obviously beat Peterhead, but I think you can kind of, um, that's clearly a result that they would have expected. And it's not just a case of, you know, we can talk about the psychology of playing at home and all that sort of thing. I think just the logistics or something more that the team need to sort out the fact that when they play at Tanadice, teams are going to come and they're going to be organised and they're going to be hard working and hard to break down. Dunfermline are probably right at the peak of that in yeah. terms of um, what they can expect at the Championship. I think they got 21 clean sheets in the league last season. It was a record. They are a proper defensive unit. Kyle Benedictus was imperious in defence, absolutely brilliant at Tannadice. And But albeit teams won't always be as effective at Dunfermline defence as Dunfermline were defensively, teams will all seek to do that at Tannadice. They'll come and they'll mass ranks. And um, Dundee United got a little congested. They got a little bit um, centralised in terms of their play. Cujo wants to come inside. Middleton wasn't great. So a lot of their best stuff was it was played around about the middle and that's kind of where Dunfermline want. So United need a bit more pace, need a bit more width and a little bit more imagination when it comes to breaking down these teams because that will be the challenge every week. Um, it, there will not be many... Um, you know, I would love to see it, but I don't think there'll be many sort of 5 0 romps at Tanadice. I think there's enough decent, well organised teams in the Championship that every week will be a challenge to break them down when, when teams come to Tanadice. Discipline a key as well, Bear. I mean, I, I go back, the game that sticks in my mind from last season was uh, when Dundee drew with Cove and had, then had to win at Queen's Park, which they obviously did. But that Cove game, and a lot of it was an experience where a, a lot of the younger players seem to play quite well, but they ended up packing the box. Sometimes, sometimes you say, keep your position, keep your discipline, keep the ball moving, and everybody's in the right place. And eventually something comes and your strikers have got room. Yeah, that can be difficult. Yeah. Diffic difficult for two reasons. One, United have got quite a young uh -huh. a young squad. Um, and two, when you're at Tannis, the fans expect you to win games. There's no doubt about that. They want you to go forward. They don't want to see patience in the last 10, 15 minutes when sometimes it takes a level head just to, you know what, instead of the sort of the long punt up the park, we're going yeah. to go wide and try and get around the back and keep doing that until you create an opening. And with players like Cujo, you will create openings. But that's, I was going to say, Cujo coming, coming in from a wide position yeah. has got that wee bit more room to do something yeah. magic. If they pack the box, but, uh, he's doing it in seven metres. You're absolutely right enough. It, it, you know, you, you can be disciplined, but then the game, the ga depending on how the game's going, if it's, uh, even, even if it's a draw, fans want to see their team winning. This is the championship. They expect yeah. Dungeon United to win every game at home. And it takes it takes a wee bit of experience to, to say, no, you know, we're not going to just lump balls forward in the hope that we get a break. You might get a break. You might mm -hmm. get a little remote flicking a ball on and somebody running through. But have you been working all week on passing and, and getting the ball wide and, and you know trying to create openings down the flank and, and trying to create space and you have to you have to keep playing for you know all right if it's the last if you're in the stoppage time although even nowadays I would say if you're in the stoppage time have a look at how much stoppage time is actually getting played yet yeah. when the, when when the board goes up more often than not you you've got at least five minutes yeah. sometimes a lot longer so you don't have to you don't have to when I'm saying when you get to the the 80th minute, don't start pressing the alarm bell. You've got plenty of time. And the fans probably have to realise that as well, but it can be really hard with a young player yeah. and fans who expect you to get goals. And going back to that man, Kujo, he's one of a number of their kids that's out of, se uh, out of season, out of contract <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah, I think... Something to look at. Yeah, I, I think 
and it bears right in what he says, it is only August, so you don't want to be throwing uh, seven grand a week at him on a four-year deal just yet. But it's, uh, I think it's safe to say of all the players that are out of contract next summer, he might be one that's jumped up towards the priority list, I would suggest, um, because United have obviously been stung recently with, for example, you know, Lewis Nielsen going for, for nothing, not that he should have gone for nothing if things had been done properly, but it's uh, something they'll look to, to avoid again. I think you would look at now their stated aim is to obviously make money from their academy. I know Kujo was bought in rather than brought through the academy, but nonetheless bring in money for young players. And I think if you were to look at who is their most saleable future asset among their teenagers, Kujo has probably jumped to the head of that list, I would suggest. Um, Chelsea but, bid 40 million. <laughs> if, he, if he continues developing as he is, certainly I could see um, a club taking a punt on his natural gift and technical ability and backing themselves to uh, add physicality uh, to him um, as, as uh, time goes on. So um, I would suggest that, yeah, um, that's probably a priority for United. They'll look to get him tied up um, in the future. And I know um, I know you could describe them as preliminary talks have taken place, which is to say, you know, the phone calls and, and things like that. Yeah, remember the days when pre preliminary <laughs> talks are, son, <laughs> it's getting typed up. Come in tomorrow and sign it. Yeah, yeah. long, long gone. Um, uh, but it's a simpler time. I think <laughs> I think those talks might become a little bit more formalised in the next couple of weeks in terms of um, uh, the club sitting yeah. down with with I'm Matthew. It doesn't get too frantic on that front. You know, I'm, I I know from a, the club point of view that we, you know, you don't want to lose your best players for nothing, but. <laughs> What I would say is he's got a job to do in the park for mm -hmm. Dundee United this season. You saw it at Dens last season where I, I think, if I remember rightly, there were contracts on the table for Mulligan and Cameron at a very early stage, but then Dundee then changed their, changed Didn't their tune. Didn't let them sign them. No, and went, we're just going to wait till the end of the season mm -hmm. and, and we'll see where we are. And I think, I think that, you know, while it's not good to, to let you, it can be a gamble, and the gamble actually paid off for Dundee. Yeah, as, as we, sure. we'd be having a different conversation absolutely. if Cameron had gone. Absolutely, absolutely. But f for me, you don't want the player to get embroiled in, in contract negotiations, and you know this is going on in the background, and it, it upsets his performances on the park because he has been a shining light for yeah. Dungeon United since the start of the season. I don't think they'll let that happen. No. I wouldn't have thought. Um, and I think while you can never say never until there's actually numbers written down on a page. I think most parties are of a similar mind at this moment in time that playing every single week for a club, the stature of Dundee United, albeit in the championship, is a good place for Matthew Kujo to be at 19 years old. Um, I think there is an, an appreciation of that. So um, you would, I wouldn't expect um, it to get too kind of messy or, or complicated. But as I say, uh, I'm not sitting down at that table. So you can never say never in, in that regard. And before we move over the road, and maybe not unlinked to the form of the likes of Kujo, Lumari Niskanen says an emotional farewell as he joins Exeter, Exeter City. And just to round off your notes, let's be honest, the only thing he was really looking forward to at United right now was seeing the new stand at Gussie Park, because <laughs> that's likely where he was going to be playing. And 
the coming months. It's um, th- that's a brilliant segue, and I, I, I can't really I can't really address <laughs> both points simultaneously. It's a wee bit cool. <laughs> it was a wee bit tortured, wasn't it? Uh, it was, uh, I just wanted to get it all in. Yeah, th- this week the new stand at Gussie Park will be opened. That's um, I'll jump and back Niskanen to Niskanen will be there. <laughs> exactly, I'll jump back to Niskanen now. Um, it's uh, yeah, it took a, a wee bit longer to get uh, confirmed uh, than expected, but. Um, it's, it's it's not actually as simplistic moving from Scotland to England when you're a foreign player these days. Uh, Maybe because, couldn't find it because uh, because of like Brexit and the work permits can't be directly changed over and things like that. So these things take a little bit more time than they used to. But it was all effectively done last week, um, and I think it'll be good for um, Amy. It's uh, he's a, a lovely bloke, one of the nicest men you'll ever meet, one of the most hardworking, diligent, professional guys around. Uh, teammates adored them. Um, never gave anything less than 100% for that football club. And I think um, while there's, uh, everyone would agree that he didn't, his numbers didn't live up to what you would expect from a 14-time capped Finland player who was on you know, a premiership salary and expected to do big things, he was popular enough because last season when not everyone covered themselves in glory, he, you know, he never gave anything less than his absolute best. And do you know what? Physical, fit, hard running, English League One might be a, a good might fit for him. Might be the place for mm-hmm. him. Yep. Well, we'll wish him well. And folks, it's worth pointing out, you can indeed watch us on YouTube. And on top of that, and I don't know how much we'll like this because we're sensitive souls, you can leave comments via the podcast and the YouTube channel. Moving swiftly over the road. Bear. Dundee are the the only team in the country that are more likely to score when they concede a penalty than when they get one. I think so. (laughs) Can you you repeat that one? Yeah. For for those that are aware, they missed another penalty in a 2-1 defeat at St Mirren last Saturday. Um, You know what? This is an amazing record, but I I went to to, uh, St Mirren last season in the Scottish Cup and the game went to penalties and they missed... Three penalties. And, and nobody told Dundee. They missed three penalties in that goal, but the three penalties were saved. And the one on Saturday was saved. Now, I've seen terrible penalty kicks sometimes, but the keeper dives the wrong way. They end up in the back of the net. Yeah. So they've been a bit unlucky on that front, but another poor penalty kick. I mean... Another hop, skip and jump penalty. A hop, penalty. skip and a jump. And it, it looks like he's not got himself... Zach Robinson doesn't look like he's got himself set when, he, when he's placing the ball. And it's, it's such a poor penalty that... Is, is it Hemming in the goal for... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's no Carson because yeah. we signed him because yeah, he saved course. three penalties last year. Of course. <laughs> he's diving to his left to try and cover the corner, but he almost dives past the ball. It hits him in the, in, you know, in the shin, on the shin guards and goes up and away. And uh, There is no worse save for a striker oh than when you, put the, when you put the goalie the wrong way I don't know. still saves I it. mean, somebody told me they've, they've only scored five out of the last 14 penalty kicks, and that can't continue. Oh. That simply cannot continue. If Dundee no. want to... to keep their heads above water in this Premier League. They've, they've got to convert every chance that goes away. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was at the game on Saturday and, you know, St Mun came out the, out the traps really, really quickly and got Dundee on, on the back foot. And Dundee weren't really in the game. And you know what? We were at the far end watching it. I never saw anything from 
from the the throne or anything. We just heard it's going to VAR. This is all new to Dundee fans, of course. You know. Well, I actually heard it on the radio. Yeah. And it was, and, and, and I never saw any real real complaints from Dundee players at the time. The point was made, and 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 it was stated right away. There's going to be a penalty here, and nobody on the pitch knows. Yeah. Knows yeah. about and, it. And Joy George's tweet basically said, "There's a penalty to Dundee. No idea what it's yeah. for." Yeah. I was like, and I was just like, but the yep, enjoy, enjoy that for the rest of the season. <laughs> People in the stand, people in the press box, because yeah. we're diligent chaps, seem to spot it straight away. Yeah. Ashcroft was clearly pulled. Yeah. Why is he not appealing? Yeah. Why is yeah. the team Why not appealing? Team? Uh, well, to be fair... Don't ask, you don't for us, get... for us looking down the pitch, it was a hard one to call. If you were in the stand, I'm surprised George didn't see it. He must have had his head down somewhere, but... Uh... Yeah, in a holiday brochure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but then when you saw on the TV, you know... I, I, it's soft, but by the rule of the law, he's tugged in the box. It's a penalty kick. And what an opportunity to get themselves back in the game, a game they've not really been in. And the fluff of the lines, again, and to compound matters, we're in a, a stoppage time in the first half. Um, St. Man get a corner. Terrific del- delivery, I've got to say. The guy Mandron gets off uh, Lee Ashcroft, but then gets around Zach, Zach Robinson's at the front post, and he's there. Also, obviously, to cut out the ball as it comes in low, but he's got to be aware of mm-hmm. somebody running towards him. If Zach Robinson takes a slight step to the right, it makes Mandron's task a lot harder to get the ball. But once he's in, great leap, and you know it's in the back of the Dundee net, and that's a huge, a huge you know mountain to climb in the second half. Um, so disappointing from that respect. Apparently, if if I'm the manager, it's almost getting to the point where you're you're going, you're actually telling the player what to do. You're yeah. basically telling him to go up and I've put, never understood put, why your, don't. put your laces through the ball. Mm-hmm. If the keeper saves it, he saves it. Just put your laces through it and get it on the target. You know, because they've tried everything. The if it was a striker who hadn't scored from open play, yeah. the manager or the striking coach or whoever would be saying, or another striker would be saying to him, yeah. when you see a sight, have a sight to go, hit it hard yeah. for the middle of the goal. That's that's an age-old thing, so uh, why not unless, that Unless you hit the keeper, you, you could put it, you don't have to put it in the corner it. if you're putting a bit of meat behind it. Yeah. It's past the keeper before he can actually react. So whether they've done that in training this week, I don't I know. At every level of the game, the modern yeah. pro seems to have forgotten yeah. what size goals I don't, are. I don't ag- agree. I don't agree with the, 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 the curtailed run-up. I don't like it. No. You know, um, there are some... some Top, top players are brilliant at it who can actually watch the keeper and wait for him to move and then decide to whip it in the other corner. That's, that's hard going for me. You know, I, I, especially with Dundee have been, I'd, I'd be more happy if I saw my player running up and, and putting his laces through it. Anyway, get into the second half and they, they get themselves back into the game. Tiffany comes on. We've been talking about Scott Tiffany. You know, he's he's been off the boil a wee bit, but he has been played, as we've said, in behind the strikers, mm-hmm. he's more suited to playing out wide. He came came on for I think it was Lyle Cameron, goes out wide and yeah. instantly starts causing St. Murn problems. Great ball in for the goal. Mulligan gets in, and then they have another couple of chances. I think Luke McCowan can do better with a chance, but they just gave himself too much to do to him. And you know, it's a, it's a lesson for him, but you've got to learn quickly, as Tony Doherty said in this league. You've got to learn. I mean, you've got opportunities. You've got got to take them. Got to take them. So. You know, I mean, there's, a f- there's a few things to work on. Uh, still don't think the midfield's right. Still think we need a wee bit of experience in there. You're not happy with the defence. We know Tony Doherty watches this show, so 
Well, we don't really. <laughs> but, but if he does watch a show... Yes, because you can watch on my YouTube. My message to him is... I don't recommend it my, the way I look yeah, most days. Yeah, my message to Tony Doherty is ditch the three at the back. I don't like it. I don't think it suits Dundee um, at this point in time. Um, you know, I, I think that, that uh, you know, McGee was playing on the right side, Ascroft was on the left side, but the, the don't, the, I don't think these two players are suited to to play in those areas, uh, you know, they don't offer anything really going forward. I think it leaves it leaves himself a wee bit exposed. But maybe you you saying that McGee isn't suited to it. It's maybe an example of how how difficult it can be because yeah. there's a guy that can, oh, play can play centre play. half and yeah. he can play right back. Yeah. Has played a lot but of games you know, you know, right you know back previously. Cami Kerr came on for the last five minutes of normal time, and there was about seven minutes of stoppage time, and went onto that that right hand side. But he looked more comfortable playing on the right side of the defence because he's naturally a right back. Yeah. He wants to go forward with a ball and, and get, get up the line. Yeah. Um, so some things to look at. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of that three at the back. I think they should look again. It's, it's interesting what you say about that because it seems from certainly what George has uh, said and he's the, the man in the know yeah. that uh, Portales and Donnelly were effectively players who... Uh, the three was not entirely based around, but yeah. it was deemed that uh, those players in particular would thrive in a three. And both of those players now for a period of time are going to be unavailable. One obviously for probably longer than the other. So you do um, wonder to what extent... Five or six weeks with knee ligament damage. Yeah, so you do wonder to what extent they're sticking with something out of just because that was their plan when personnel-wise... The guys who were perhaps best suited mm. to a three are no longer there. I've got to say as well, we spoke about this in, in pre-season, that, you know, Owen Beck's been outstanding for Dundee mm-hmm. since he came in. He got rinsed on Saturday, I've got to say, at, at Paisley. He had a really hard time defensively. Um, and I think it's because he, he wants to get up the park. But Dundee, the majority of games this season, Dundee will be doing more defending than attacking. Yeah. Um, and he, he found himself... Which is maybe be expected since yeah. he's on loan from Liverpool. And yeah, no, that's right. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be playing at whatever level he's been at Liverpool. Yeah. He'll be playing the way the first team played. Yeah. That means he's going to be bombing forward. Yeah, he, a had a really, he had a really hard time um, defensively. Um, so he, maybe he could do with just being told, look, your, your job is left back. If there are opportunities mm-hmm. to go beyond... You know the left side of the midfield, or however done you play, then go. But you'll know you'll have a man behind you there waiting to take fill that role. Um, but it's it was an eye opener for him. He had a hard time, and I'm not. You know, it's, it's one bad game and half a dozen games I've seen mm-hmm. him play for Dundee because he has been outstanding. But I do feel that you know he's brought in to defend. That's that's going to be his most important job this season. It's so difficult to play that wing back role as well if yeah. the wide centre halves in the three aren't comfortable and aren't mobile enough to cover over and. Um, by the, the sound, and you don't have Jordan Henderson yeah, coming. Well, with the sound, wide exactly. cover for you. The, the sound of what Bear's saying, the left-sided centre half for Dundee is not someone who's comfortable in shifting over and covering. So, um, yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for him. There's a reason why, albeit not much went right for them last season, but the thought behind always playing, you know, Scott McMahon and Liam Smith as, uh, as wide centre backs in the three for Dundee United last season was so that they could shift over to that full back position to cover when the wing backs went forward. If Owen Beck doesn't have that cover behind him, it's a hell of a tough shift to cover that entire flank on his own, you know? Yeah. It strikes me as well that I always think in this country, it's, and with the players Dundee have available just now because of the injury situation, that in 
the likes of Kerr, Ashcroft, McGee, Shaughnessy, play, players from this country, it's easier to switch back to a four mm. than it is, you know, to mm. a three because players are brought up. The, a back four is the basic yeah. thing that you're taught as a kid here. So the defenders, even if it's a yeah, temporary yeah. thing, until Portales and Donnelly are uh, ready to come back, it's, uh, it shouldn't be the biggest change that they ever have to cope with. No, no, and you're right. And they played with the majority of last season by back four. Boyer toyed with three times and it didn't quite work out. But ultimately it was Kerr at right back and Jordan Marshall at left back in the two centre halves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it seemed to work quite well. Um, Tony Doherty just switched it. He, he, was go he had a back four initially in pre-season. They signed Antonio Portales. Portales came in. And looked as though he was quite comfortable playing in, in a three, and I think that was that was the thought process behind it. Beck was doing quite well on that left hand side, offered him the opportunity to get even further up the park, probably with, with three. Also allows you to play two up top, and that's that's an, another thing Dundee have to look at because the two up top, they didn't really work well together. I've got to say on Saturday, it's early days. They're two big lads, they're two powerful lads, but a two. You need some sort of link-up play when you're when you when you're playing two up top, Dan. They've got to get some understanding going. At this point in time, they don't have that. They still have Pineda on the bench. So whether it's something that Tony Doherty will look at and think, well, you know, we'll give we'll give Pineda a go. I know he is a bit lightweight, but he's been brought in. He's been brought in to score goals, obviously, and he's he's done that already. But maybe just something different to occupy centre half's minds. If they've got two big lads, sometimes sometimes centre halves enjoy playing against two bigger players. Rather than having someone who's moving Keep off them simple, and, stupid. and dropping into holes and, and you know giving them problems, do a go, do a go and leave that space in behind. But there's a lot of questions for, for Tony Doherty. Look at the team is they're, they're doing well, they're a better side than they were last season. But it's a it's a work in progress. Isn't it? Yeah. Which was always going to be the case. It is only August, so let's wait and see where they go over the next few weeks. I have to say, being being a shallow personnel and bears bears level of a uh, tactical astuteness <laughs> and analysis there, I'm thinking there's, a, there's an uncharacteristic level of sobriety about his attendance at games <laughs> in the Premier League that didn't exist in the Championship last season. <laughs> Are you on a diet or something? No, there? no, 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 that's... Uh, You'll be telling us you're in before five to three. No, now. I'll tell you what happened on Saturday. <laughs> I've got a wee story to tell you on Saturday. Um, Not the we'll left, we'll left Dundee at uh, 20 past 12. And and there were there were holdups at the Broxton as there always are. Yes, at this time of year. And there was another wee hold up at Stirling, and uh, it was getting on. It was getting on a bit. And our driver, as wisdom, decided to go down the M74 and cut into Edinburgh Road. Um, now, unfortunately, that was the that turned out to be the wrong way to go, and it was absolutely pure gridlock on that road coming. Rangers were playing Ibrox, of course, but the other way you go around and over the Kingston Bridge, and Rangers are playing. You Ibrox. get caught. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but cut a long story short. And it's it been a long story we, so far. We got to Paisley at <laughs> 10 past three. And of course, we were just getting off the bus and what happens is St. Mamber won nothing up at that point in time. So you can imagine the driver was getting a wee bit of stick, but... Uh, uh, so this is the basis of his analysis. Yeah. He heard it all yeah. on the radio yeah, from exactly. someone who knew what they were talking exactly. about. I, I love how we've listened to 15 minutes of him yeah. analysing this game yeah. and now he wasn't even at it. I did say someone came out the traps <laughs> well, but somebody told me they came out the traps well. I was still on the he bus at that point. He ended up watching Pollock playing Mary Hill. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we missed the kickoff. We missed the first goal and 
You know, that's, that's twice the same I've never been caught like that. Saw Tyler French, though, I've got to say, when we were going to the stadium, for some strange reason, Tyler French was running around towards the main stand. So, made a few comments, when are you getting on the park? And he said he hoped to be on soon. He actually and played, he played he for played, the B team. He played for the B team. Who, surprise, surprise, got beyond yeah, penalties! Well, <laughs> to be fair, I went up to, the, to see that game on uh, Tuesday night, um, you know, against East Fife. And... Did yeah. you miss the first 10 minutes? Is this no, no, is no, this it's a, a lot. And the good, thing for, good thing for Dundee, French played, um, came through unscathed. But we looked a bit rusty. Uh, As you would expect, well, it, was, it was that cup tie yeah. at St. Martin yeah. that he did his yeah, leg, it was, wasn't it? So it, it was, was January he's yeah. been out since. Yeah, but good good to see him back. Um, Finn Robertson played played very well. The rest were uh, predominantly a lot, a lot of the young lads, as you would expect, a lot of the under, under 21s. I think Luke Graham at centre half stood out quite well. The goalkeeper, uh, Rory Lynch, I think it is, did well. But when it went to penalties, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, East Fife went up and scored the first penalty. Dundee player went up and missed uh, his penalty. So it was Dundee player who had to be dragged yeah, up yeah. by two coaches. East Fife scored the second penalty. And the Dundee player went up and, and scored. And somebody in the in the stand shouted, get him in the first team. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but no surprise, East Fife actually took their penalties very well and scored all five. So yeah, even even in the even in the under twenty ones we've got we've got an issue. But um now good, good to see Tyler French back. Yeah, definitely. And and, and good to see because it's early days and I know it's tough in pre season. Good to see that the players are in every day this week because they're a new team. There are a few things to be ironed out. Tony Doherty's, he'll, he'll give them Saturday, Sunday off, because there is only so much you can do, but I'm never a big fan of them getting three or four days off at this time of the season, and and, and and foreign players allowed to go home and stuff like that. I'm sort of like, well, don't be a footballer if you don't want to be prepared to move around. But also this week, Tony Doherty's been stressing to his players that they're good enough for the Premier League. Does that have to include, I'm pointing out, that the difference between being good enough for the Premier League and getting relegated is not getting beaten out of sight every week. It's those wee moments in the games that that bears highlighted, Alan. That that can be the difference. It's 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 the it's a minute here, a minute there. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, Tony Doherty's, you know, talking about convincing the players that they are good enough. You know, that's very much. A, it suggests that. You know, he's absolute belief in the talent that he's got mm-hmm. in the group, but it's just a case of um, just a little bit of mental strength. And I, I think there's also an element of um, that belief will come from playing more games um, in the Premiership and, as you allude to, not getting hammered. You know, not yeah. feeling out against St Mirren, not great in the first half, gave themselves an awful lot to do, but fundamentally could have nicked a point in the end. You know, they've got to take the positives. Against the top six team who had a very good win the week before. Exactly. So you walk away from that game and you go, it's more than possible to pick up wins, to pick up points. Look how close we came, not at our best, away against a decent side. So that belief will build. You just need to hope that it doesn't take too long to build because you don't want to get to the point where uh, runs are continuing and you start to get a monkey on your back. But... um, it's there's part of that that's mentality, but there's also part of that is understanding as well. And I think Bear alluded to it there, and it goes in the point you're making about hard training over this fortnight. Um, understandings won't be there, whether it's between the strike partnership, whether it's between a back three, or if they want to change shape, 
all that needs to develop within you. Yeah. And see two weeks on the training ground, ideal, you know, mm -hmm. because any footballer will tell you they love playing games and when momentum builds, it's a great thing. But you don't get much by the way of, you know, system stuff, hard organisation, that sort of thing is done in pre-season yeah. and when you get long spells on the training ground without a game. Because when you're preparing for a game, a couple of your days are devoted to shape, set pieces, things that are specific to that next game. So, it's, must um, matter if it was me, the injured players would be sitting watching training mm. every day as well. Mm. So, I'd also, there's part of me, the, the better part of me says that uh, players shouldn't be getting rewarded for getting knocked out of the League Cup. So, exactly. uh, and that goes exactly. for Dundee United as well, yeah. who are going down to Burnley to play yeah. a match. You know, it's, um, it's uh, I don't Close think door United fans, so don't get your cards. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And don't turn up at Turf Moor. That's <laughs> nowhere the game is. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting one that, that, that Doherty maybe felt the need to say that uh, this early. Because if you look at the quality of his signings, I think people were quite encouraged that this was a team that was built for the Premier League bear. Yeah, and I think they are, they are truly better. I think they're bigger. I think, you know, they've, they've beefed up in certain areas. They've made good additions. Scott Tiffany can be... A, 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 a great addition for Dundee, but again, it's 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 early days for him. You know, he's he's got to find his way, and you know, it's it's difficult because you know you're desperately wanting to get points on the board, but you you've not as the players that have done it before. You've got Carson, the goal who thought was excellent on Saturday mm -hmm. for what he did. You've got Joshua. You weren't going to pick him. Yeah, well, the manager made the right call. Maybe he knew what was what was coming with yeah. with, with John McCracken, but mm -hmm. Carson. Carson was, was excellent, cruised the game, I've got, I've got to say. Um, but the, we spoke about the signings of boys with Premier League experience, and there's not a lot of boys in that team, for one reason or another, don't have Premier. Maybe they're, uh -huh. they're foreign players, but they don't have Premiership yeah. experience. And a lot of boys still have to have to tick, tick that box. And maybe Tony Dockers just want to give them a wee bit of reassurance that you know he has, has total faith that they can be. But I do think they're, they're a better side. I just think that they're not quite functioning you know, the way that they should be. They will get better. Tony Doherty has to find his team just like Gary Boyer had to find his team last season. But as, as we touched on off-air, Tom, they've got hearts up next at Dens, a tough, tough fixture. You know, mm -hmm. there's no denying that. And, and then, you know, if they don't get anything from that, the pressure is starting to mount slightly and then they go to St Johnston. Hopefully still pointless. Yeah, at the start, the start of September. That game looks like it could be back, doesn't suddenly, it, already? Shop you! <laughs> suddenly it's a six-pointer six in September. That's not <laughs> where they want to be. It's Celtic <laughs> after that. No, yeah. I, we spoke about this as well. What God, you want, what you want imagine, from your... Imagine a relegation derby in September. Yeah, that's, that's unthinkable. What you want is a team that doesn't go on long spells of not picking up points. That's happened to Dundee yeah. in the past five, six games. It plays on players' up. minds, yeah, doesn't it? Does. it? You've got to be capable of, of grinding out a point here, a point there, so you just tick over. Remember, a point a game keeps you in this league. So at this point in time, Dundee are one point behind where they are. Yeah, it's, it's be for not safety. a bad Let's start, not, but you want, yeah. you want your win before... You yeah. don't want to be going into your fifth or sixth no. game looking for your first no, win. No, no, uh, absolutely, absolutely. There are issues... Do they have enough goals in this team at this point in time? They don't look as though they've got that. They need to find a way of getting somebody on the score sheet on a regular basis. Which is strange because last season they scored some spectacular goals from distance and from unusual areas of the team. 
so far this season, they're a team that does create chances, but the strikers yeah. need to put them away, don't they? Yeah, they missed chances. They've missed chances in certain games. There weren't so many chances. You wouldn't expect it away from home in the no. Premier League. You're not going to get chance after chance after chance. But they missed a couple on Saturday. They missed a couple when they were in, in good positions to get an equaliser. Luke McCowan's in for an equaliser. And, you know, it's, it's a good save. But at this level, you, you've got to get that. And they get that. And the form he's been in as yeah, well. Yeah, they get that. They, they take a point away from it from, from that game. So. Clean sheets as well. I've said, Tom, they've got to get well, got to I was going to say, capable of getting At the other end sheets. of the pitch, clean sheets. Is he looking for another keeper? He, he did say uh, uh, in George, pre-season that he yeah, liked, he liked it, yeah. three. He liked to have three keepers with his squad, and McCracken's gone back to Norwich. Now, I, uh, being a Dundee fan, always thinks the worst. I thought the boy's throwing his toys out the pram when he got mm-hmm. dropped and said, "Well, if I'm only here on loan, I'm here to play. Can I go home?" But I see that Norwich are. Now, Tim Cruel, the Dutch veteran, is on the verge of going to Luton. Mm-hmm. They have signed their first choice keeper, but because they did a bit of homework this week, their uh, their backup keeper, uh, or who would have been their backup keeper once Cruel leaves, had a nightmare. Uh, right. uh, as dro- made a few mistakes, so I think as Chance much as man. McCracken might have wanted back because he couldn't see a first team place, that Norwich are taking McCracken back and he's on the bench. Uh, in their Carabao Cup, and I think he'll be on the bench yeah, in their league never, games never as well. Never done anything wrong for the games Looked he played for Dundee. Keeper. Incredibly confident with the ball at his feet, which in England, in the way that most teams set up, you have to be nowadays. But very, very good with the ball at his feet. And if you, you know, if, you, if, you, if there's more opportunity for him down there, which you think there probably will be, Dundee signing Carson. Yeah, he's a young man. Why not? Why not go for it? Well, the, the one thing that McCracken will be know very well from spending time in England at that level there are so many games mm. yeah oh well, yeah so you'll, you'll, you'll probably get first team games if he's the, even if he's the number two I'm sh- there's no suggestion that Dundee are going to do Dunfermline dirty like this but I guess it's uh, squeaky bum time for James McPake while yeah. the registration window is still open for a while, because they could um, uh, if they were to go down the easy route if they wanted the three keepers they could recall Harry Sharp while the registration Who's window is still fit, open thanks to Dunfermline. exactly so um, no suggestion that Dundee are going to do that but I, I think James McPake will be putting his phone on airplane mode just in case because uh, Harry looked um Assured against Dundee United, he's uh, continuing. You can't imagine. It would would be a mad decision. Pake's mind that he might be unhappy with a decision made by Dundee. (laughs) I think think Harry Sharp would be really disappointed. Yeah, it's better for Sharp. Oh, it's a it's a great learning experience for him playing at that level. I mean, playing in front. What was the crowd at Tarish on Saturday? Nearly nine thousand. It was nine thousand. Great crowd. Great opportunity for him to go and show what he can do. He is is a good keeper. Sorry for not praising you this week, United fans, but it's become expected. Yeah, it gets a bit late, but it's become it's become the Actually, norm for you. There was there was numbers. a very healthy healthy away support at, at Paisley on Saturday, but also a good home support as for well. For eighty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well <laughs> I filled up I got, got there eventually. <laughs> got there as quick as we could. But uh, you know it's a it's a lovely lovely stadium. I, I really enjoy it actually at Paisley, apart from the result obviously. Yeah, I was I was like when you got to half time and Dundee United were two 0 down, watching the planes take off. All, George, <laughs> George waving from the window yeah. as he went off on another holiday. Yeah, yeah, you've got to take the result into account, right enough. But um, no, it's, it's a good arena for for playing football. Great stuff. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. 
All that really helps people find twa teams one street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.